Happy post Thanksgiving weekend, loved ones. Uh, nervousness and anxiety can get the best of many of us. And I'm gonna talk about that today in our message on nervousness, the range of emotions that we deal with in this series called Overwhelmed. And it spells out the word range and the N is nervousness. We're gonna talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but I do hope that you had a safe and special Thanksgiving. And I know it's been a different kind of Thanksgiving that we've had to experience together as a country. And whether you are alone or with a few family members, we're praying that uh, you were able to get through it and maybe next year's uh, holidays will be a whole lot better. And for those of you that have been dealing with loss, I know that this Thanksgiving was even more difficult. I just want you to know that Amber and I, along with the clergy and the elders and elders council of women, send our condolences for that empty chair that you may have had uh, this uh, Thanksgiving. But next week, I'm gonna talk about grief, and that is the G uh, in the word range as we uh, embrace the emotional part of us. Now, before I pray and get into the message, let me just remind you of what we're praying for as a church and asking you uh, to be a part of, and that is the new future fitting renovations of our current building. Maybe when you get back, much of it will be done. We'll see, but we want to start it and kick it off right in the new year. And we're asking you to think about, pray about the best Christmas gift you can give to Bridgeway Community Church financially on Sunday, December the 20th, or even before, just check the link out on the screen uh, when the time comes after the service or whatever, go check it out and just ask God, ask one another as you're talking to one another in your small groups, your life groups, your ministries, as well as maybe in your family, just say, you know, what, what can we do to be a part of what God is doing at Bridgeway to make the building uh, so much better for the future with regard to atmosphere, environment, and ministry as we enhance our ability and our platforms like our building so people can connect, build, and equip even better so we can advance the gospel of Jesus Christ through Bridgeway Community Church starting here in Columbia, Maryland. Let's bow for a word of prayer and get right into the message on nervousness. Heavenly Father, even now as we go into your word, we pray that your word would go into us so that we're able to govern our hearts and our minds uh, in Christ Jesus with the power of your Holy Spirit. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Together everyone said, amen and amen. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. Have you heard that phrase before? It came from the United Negro College Fund, which was started back in 1944 by Frederick Patterson, who was then the president of what is now known as the Tuskegee University. It's an American philanthropic organization that gives grants and scholarships to black students so they could go to college. Now, again, it started in 1944. What's interesting, is my father, uh, Reverend Robert J. Anderson Sr., was born in July of 1927. So he would have been about 17 years old at the start of this college fund. I wonder if he was thinking about uh, how he would be able to pay for college. Some of you are old enough to even remember those commercials where you'd hear that male voice that would say, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. 
Well, you know, it was very challenging and in some degree, to some degree, maybe still is. But really back in that day, back in the, the 40s, I can only imagine how challenging it was for African-Americans to get a college education. So we're thankful for the United Negro College Fund. But that whole phrase still sticks to me uh, even to this day. And maybe it sticks uh, with you as well. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, in today's topic on nervousness, why would I connect that phrase, the mind is a terrible thing to waste, with nervousness? Do you have any idea? Uh, maybe you want to chat and answer in the, in the chat box or talk to somebody on the sofa near you or look, look in the mirror and talk to yourself. Who knows? But the bottom line is, do you see that there's a connection or not? And why would Pastor Anderson connect nervousness with that phrase, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, let me show you a skeletal image, a picture, if you will. Now, when you look at that image, when you look at that picture, you'll notice all of the green throughout the human body. You see the brain and the head, but when you see all that green and all those lines, guess what that is? That is your nervous system. And the green color throughout that nervous system shows us that the nervous system touches every part of our body. But what is the nervous system? It is that system or that network within our body that controls a lot of what's going on in our body, including our temperature along with our hormones. Hello, ladies. <laughs> but overall, what it does is it takes the communication from the brain and it communicates messages all throughout the rest of the body. We can say that the nervous system is the communication courier of the brain's messages to the rest of all of our body parts and extremity. extremities. Our brain is the command and the control center, but that communication from our brain has to travel to the rest of our body and the, the brain connects to the nervous system using its superhighway, which is our spinal cord. So our spinal cord connects to our brain and that is the superhighway through which the nervous system primarily travels along through other networks in our body. So then when our mind uh, makes a decision, our nervous system then carries that message to all the parts of the body, kind of like a computer. The brain would be the software, the nervous system would be the hardware or the hard wiring that the, that the software runs through. So the brain makes the decision, the nervous system communicates the messages from the brain to the body very quickly using nerve impulses. And when you feel nervous, your body system begins to activate hormones as it's responding to stress. In fact, your body is actually helping you prepare for a threat that is to come, whether it's real or whether it's perceived, and it's getting ready for a fight or flight. And it happens almost instantaneously, almost like um, automatic transmission. It just happens. So your, your brain immediately feels this threat. Your body immediately begins to react and to, to respond to this threat. And it prepares you to fight. It prepares you to run. And it, it immediately moves within your whole system. And this nervousness sometimes we think may be uh, unwarranted. But God put it in us not only to communicate 
uh, through the different body members, one body, many parts with a nervous system that's connected to make sure every part receives the message that's necessary. Uh, even if you were to uh, walk down some steps and trip and roll your ankle, the, the, the body immediately says, ouch, the message from the brain then not only goes to the mouth, but it goes directly to the ankle and, and all of the blood surrounds that ankle. So you only get a sprain instead of a clear, clean break. Why? Because your nervous system said, we got a problem in the ankle right now. And it immediately goes to work. So nerves are normal. Nerves are natural. But is nervousness different than anxiety? Well, technically it may be, but in this sermon, I am using them interchangeably to address what many of us know as anxiety, anxiousness, nervousness, worry, and even fear. You may have a physiological or a hormonal response that displays itself in your body immediately through blood pressure rising or breathing speed quickening or your heart is beating faster or your adrenaline is boosting. But understand that is all quite natural, but you must understand, uh, and I need to say this from a mental health perspective, and that is anxiety and an anxiety disorder are two different things. You see, nervousness and anxiety, while natural responses to stressful situations, they are temporary, and those stressful episodes after they pass, guess what? the nervousness and the anxiety subsides. But an anxiety disorder is a psychiatric condition that is permanent, it's persistent, and it needs to be addressed by a mental health professional due to the brain chemistry and the functions of what's going on in your mental state. And so an anxiety disorder is permanent. Uh, nervousness and anxiety is temporary based on stressful situations, which we can manage ourselves. And I'm going to teach you how to do that. But don't confuse that with a mental or an anxiety disorder. All right. And remember, it's as worth your mental attention because the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And I would just say, if I can be really, really practical, if you have health insurance and you have a health card, uh, turn to the back of the health card. There's a 1-800 number for mental health. And we could all use this. You know, it's not like, okay, only crazy people need mental health. All of y'all need a mental health day. You need a mental break from the people in your life. You need a mental uh, break from uh, a daily stressors. But some of us actually need to spend a little bit more time dealing with what's going on inside of our minds. We may even need uh, some medication to help us over time. And so there's no shame in that game. I just want to let you know that there are times that I and, and my wife, Amber, have used uh, even my family have, have used that 1-800 number. I remember a time when I, I went online, looked at all of the, all of the uh, you know, counselors and therapists that uh, my insurance covered, and then I, 
I, I researched them, got them down to like the top three that I thought could help me. I wanted them to be far enough away from the church. I wanted uh, them to have a degree that was higher than mine or at least equal to mine. So I don't like kind of uh, talk around them. I wanted them not to be a fan of Dr. David Anderson. And I had to go through three or four. There's some I went into there. Like, hey, Dr. Anderson, so glad to have you here. My book's on their shelf. Well, guess what? I, I can't I can't deal with that because I'm not going to be able to be real with you. I needed to have a counselor that I could just be real with. There was even one time that I found a nun. I would go into the house of this nun. She must have been 70 years old. And we'd just sit in a corner with two plain chairs and we would talk through stuff. And that was probably one of the best seasons of mental health help that I could have. Uh, even though she was a Catholic nun, uh, she had no idea of who I was. And she had a view of the scriptures that was actually quite helpful uh, for me. And so, you know, and it was a female counselor, but, you know, again, she was a nun, so <laughs> nothing was happening. And that was really cool because here we are in this house in a basement, but in Silver Spring, Maryland. But you know what? She could, she could ask me real questions and I could give her real answers. What am I saying? I'm saying when it comes to mental health, when it comes to stresses, when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to relational issues, it's okay to get help. And I'm telling you, your pastor has gotten help before and I'm kind of encouraging you too. We have a mental faith and health ministry led by Dr. Shonda uh, Corbett, who I'm just so proud of and thankful for. Check out our website, see if you can find a way to connect in with that. All right, so where do we go from here? Well. Bottom line, remember what I said, the mind is the command and control center. The nervous system communicates those messages to the body. So then how do you get your body and your mind under control? Well, some of you feel better already because Thanksgiving's over and people have left your house. Whew. But the reality is some of you, regardless of whether people are coming in or out, you still got issues with the controlling of your mind and your body. So I'm going to give you four ways to get your mind right. All right. So look to somebody around you. Four ways to get your mind right. Tell them, get your mind right. All right. Get your mind right. Tell them in the chat, get your mind right. Doc's going to tell us how to get our mind right. All right. You ready? Number one, call on Jesus in the middle of your stress storm. Call on Jesus in the middle of your stress form. Now, some of y'all do this naturally. You start cursing, Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm not talking about that. God down. But I couldn't get up mother fussing at me all the time, son of a biscuit. No, y'all thought I was going to lose it, right? Listen, listen, we cannot give God the last name, damn, and we can't use God's name in vain. I'm saying when you are in a stress storm, Call Jesus for real, not like Jesus, but more like Jesus, Jesus. I need you right now, Jesus, help. And that's exactly what the disciples did in Mark chapter four. I'm going to go there. It's one of the two or three passages I'm going to go to. And if you want to come with me, come with me to, to Mark chapter four. You know the story. They were in a storm. Let me just read it to you for those of you who are not familiar. It's uh, Mark chapter four. I'm going to read verses 35 through 41 and talk you through it just a little bit. But I want you to realize that the first way uh, to really get your mind right is to call on Jesus. And this is what it says. It says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over, open over the boat 
so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely what? Calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Notice that they called on Jesus. Now, again, they were making some assumptions about Jesus, like, Jesus, don't you even care? But look, at least they had Jesus to run to. And guess who quieted the storm? It was Jesus. When you're in the middle of your stress storm, you need to run to Jesus. And Jesus was right there and Jesus solved the issue. He talked to them about their faith a little later, but he solved the problem first. By the way, when you're in the middle of a stress storm, work on the problem, not the lesson. What happens is when people are in the middle of a stress storm, preachers want to come to them and tell them and teach them a lesson about why they're in the storm. Did you notice what Jesus did? He handled the storm first. Then he went to the lesson. Now, you have little faith. You see, he, he wanted to talk to them about their faith, but this was not the time to do it while the storm was still going. If you're in the middle of a storm, don't try to teach. If you're in the middle of a storm, take care of the situation. Teach later. But if you also are a person who's given to this stress, like we all would be in the middle of what that verse calls a furious squall in verse 37, that's a, that's a storm. Then in the middle of that, you need help. And I'm saying to you, one of the ways to get your mind right is to call on Jesus in the middle of a stress storm. But here's the second thing you can do. Ask Jesus for peace during the quiet storm. You see, when you're on the boat, you know, there's a stress storm and there were other boats there. And the good news is that Jesus was on their boat. If you got to go through a storm, make sure that you're on the boat where Jesus is, because I can't even imagine what it was like for those on the other boat. I ought to preach a message sometime being on the other boat in the middle of a storm and Jesus ain't there. But at the same time, the grace of Jesus calming the storm also calmed the other boats. That's a different story. Call on Jesus. He will show up for you and he will meet you in your urgent stress storm and then teach you later. But the second thing is to ask Jesus for peace during the quiet storm. You know, a stress storm is urgent and imminent, but a quiet storm is that underground shivering of the soul that is building up when others may not even see it because of something going on inside of you, that quiet storm. And uh, the text that I'll take you to that some of you are familiar with is Philippians chapter four. And in that passage in verses six through eight, it gives us some idea of what we can do when we have this anxiety, this nervousness, this fear, this worry that seems to be overwhelming us. So go to Philippians, go eat peaches and cream, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's how you find it, those small little books that are stuck together in the New Testament. And when you get to chapter four, notice what it says right around verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your what? 
minds in Christ Jesus. Remember, we said that your mind is a terrible thing to waste. And so here it is. When you have anxiety, you pray to God and ask him for peace. And he begins to guard not only your heart, which are your feelings, but your mind, which are your thoughts. And remember, the mind is the control center for the rest of the body. The nervous system is communicating everything. So if you want to get your nerves right, you got to get your mind right. And here in this verse seven, he says it transcends, talking about God's peace, it transcends all understanding and it guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why is this important? Because remember, if God begins to work with your mind, then when your mind is settled, your nerves will be settled. People try to go after the nerves and that's why they can never get them under control. Go after the mind. The mind controls the nerves. Be anxious for nothing but what? In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Go to God and ask him what? Ask him for peace. God, in the midst of my quiet, shivering soul, I'm asking you for peace. And he promises if you go to him in prayer like that, he'll exchange your shivering soul with a peace that transcends human logic and science. It transcends understanding and comprehension. It comes over you by the power of the Holy Spirit and the peace of God begins to move in your body parts. Have you ever been shaking and shivering and then you talk to God and you say, it says make your petitions known. You tell God, God, I need, I need your peace. God, I can't handle this relationship. God, I can't handle this situation. God, I can't handle what I'm feeling right now. And when you go to him just like that and, and you say, now God, I'm gonna do what, what Doc says. And that's the second thing. I'm gonna ask for your peace. You have not because you ask not. So God, he says that this passage is true. So I'm gonna do it. I'm asking you, God, exchange my anxiety and my worry with your peace and wait for God to do it. And you'll begin to feel the shaking get settled because he's controlling your heart and your mind in him. And he starts moving throughout your body. So much of our mind is not just about what we don't think about, but it's about what we do think about, which leads us to the third way to sort of get your mind right. And that is this. Look for the positive things that bring you joy. Look for the positive things that bring you joy. We find it in the same passage. Because when you get to verse eight, I want you to notice what it says. Out of all this, you know, Paul's, uh, the writer is talking about this peace that comes. Uh, when, when you go to God in prayer with your anxiety and your nervousness, then God exchanges it for peace. You think that that's all? It's actually not. He still wants to deal with the mind even more. Remember it says that he guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now what Paul wants to do is double click on the way we think to help us with our stinking thinking that messes up our entire body. So check out what he says in verse eight, which I think is quite brilliant. Finally, brothers, sisters are included. 
Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, think about such things. And he says, whatever you've learned from me, how do you learn it? With your mind or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. He is saying, think on positive things. Back in the 80s, people used to sort of poo-poo positive thinking. I'm all for positive thinking because the scripture's into positive thinking. And what's the opposite? Negative thinking? You know, so somehow people come, came against positive thinking. It's so uh, Christian light. It's not theologically correct. Well, what is your negative Christian thinking that has everybody scared that they're going to go to hell? How about the positive thinking called the good news? <laughs> the gospel is not called the bad news. It's called the good news. You come in and you share the bad news of the fact that all of us are separated from God. But then Jesus comes and says, but I got good news for you. The kingdom of God is here. And now what he's saying is those of us who are in the kingdom of God, if we want to get our mind right, what we have to do is we have to look for the positive things that bring joy. And notice what he says. I mean, the whole book is really about joy. Joy is mentioned so many times in this book. But he says, think about such things. What kind of things? Things that are true and noble and admirable and right. What are, the, what are the true, admirable, noble, right, excellent, praiseworthy, lovely things that you can think about? I have one friend uh, who talks about joy triggers, and I don't really know about what joy triggers are. So I asked, and one of the things that uh, the person said was that there are certain things that just bring you joy. Maybe certain smells, maybe a candle, uh, maybe something that just makes you want to smile. And, and, and every now and then, you know, go to that joy trigger. What is it? What is the thing that brings you joy? Just think on that for a minute. It could be a poem. It could be a song. But what is it that you can put your brain on that's something that's true? Like beauty is true, right? So looking at the creation, looking at a painting, lighting a candle, writing a poem, whatever it is for you, what is it that brings you joy? Uh, you know, I was talking to uh, my family member this week, and one of the things we were talking about was the dogs that we have. And I, you know, I did a, a message on animals, but we have some animals in our house, and we have this one big dog named Coca, and Coca is the Great Dane in our home. One of the things I love about Coca is the level of joy it brings my wife. I mean, it brings all of us joy, but specifically her, because Coca really doesn't care about the rest of us. But at least that dog chooses her person. You know how dogs choose their person? Well, Amber is Coca's person. And if Amber stands up, Coca stands up. Amber sits down, Coca sits down. If the other dogs are laying around Amber, Coca will stand around until they move. Coca can't lay down until they move. And Coca will take one of the toys, carry it somewhere. The other dog will go get the toy, and then she'll take the spot. I mean, this, this is how crazy Coca is. If you come into our house, uh, don't hug Amber uh, and say hello. We have to tell people, you know what, just stay back for a second. I'll hold Coca, and then you can uh, greet Amber, and then we'll, you know, uh, move on from there. Coca has chosen Amber. Here's the thing. Amber has a lot of joy, and the rest of us do too, when you look at Coca's dopey face. 
And Coco will wake her up and come up on the bed sometimes and just lick her face. I try that, I get killed. <laughs> but Coco can do it because Coco brings a level of joy. Uh, what's your joy trigger? What, what brings you joy? Guess what? Whatever's true, whatever is right, God created animals. And I don't know why they're domesticated to the degree that they actually depend on someone like a master that just says, I, I don't care what you look like. I don't care whether you took a shower. I don't care anything except I want you near me. Can you imagine if human beings had that kind of acceptance and love? But God's decided to create other beings that have that kind of acceptance of love and love, whether you've brushed your teeth or not. <laughs> so what am I saying? I'm saying, look for the positive things that bring joy. You know, Psalm 1 says, I only remember it in the King James Version from the first grade, but um, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, uh, nor sitteth in the way of sinners or standeth in the seat of the scornful. No, hang on. Blessed. Hmm. Okay, let me go read it because I don't want to get it wrong. And this is too important. I thought I remembered. I guess the first grade was a while ago. Okay, here it is. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. There it is. It came back to me. Thank you, Lord. Check this out. It says that you meditate on the word only two times, day and night. He meditates on his law day and night, and he shall be, verse three, like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You see, when a tree is planted by the rivers of water, guess what? The winds will come, um, the, the, the rain will fall, uh, but that tree, while it may bend, it will not break. And for us, Listen, stress is natural. Stress is going to happen. We're never going to have a completely stress-free life. But if we are planted and rooted in God's word, even when the winds come and the rains fall and, and the, the environment is, is somehow buffeting us, we will not break. We may bend, but we will not break. I'm here to tell someone that you might bend, but you will not break. You might be stretched, but you will not crack. You may fall down, but you will get back up. God is saying that when you are rooted in me and rooted in my word, when you meditate on my word day and night, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The rivers give you the nutrients that you need to strengthen you. So the stronger the storm, the more strength you have because the nutrients that you are connected to will give you everything you need. That's the problem with folk that don't know the Lord. They're not planted in the Lord, planted in the word. Therefore, they're not like a tree by the rivers of water. So they don't have anything feeding them that can sustain them during the storms of life. And God is saying, you're going to go through stress, but you're going to grow through that stress. And a tree can be firm, rooted, and you may bend, but I'm here to tell you, you won't break. Hey, listen, let me give you these four ways. I've given you three already. Call on Jesus. Ask for peace. Look 
for the positive, and finally, manage the negativity. Here's the last one. Manage the negativity in your life. And this is the bottom line. Listen, if the word is telling us we've got to focus on that which is positive, that which brings us joy, that which is true, noble, right, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, and so forth, then that means we're going to have to manage the negativity in our own spirit. Do you know people who are really negative? Maybe it's you, right? Maybe it's somebody that you're with. Listen, we're not judging. Some people see the glass half full, some half empty. Eric Scott, who we did the funeral for, and Teresa Lamott, we love you and we praise God for you. I know this is hard. Uh, one of our ushers, she lost her husband. He needed a new heart and uh, he got a new heart. But then he had a couple of strokes and his body began to fail him. And over the last week, he did pass away and we did the funeral. He was born on the same exact day I was born. And we would often say happy birthday to one another while his mother was pushing uh, in New York. My mom was pushing in uh, Columbia Hospital in Washington, D.C. And uh, it's unfortunate that he passed away. And uh, I just want you to know, uh, Teresa, that uh, we stand with you and we're so grateful for you and your daughter, Riley. And uh, we trust that God will be uh, your husband even in the midst of all of this. But the reason I bring him up is because he would always say, and I know you put this on your Caring Bridge, bridge page, half full, half full, half full. That, that's one of the things that uh, they, know, they called him heavy at WJZ, but uh, he, he was ama amazing with the cameras and everybody kind of knew him there as heavy. But Eric Scott, one of the things that he would always say is half full. Well, listen, we can manage our lives thinking things are half full or always half empty. And I think that if uh, that passage in Philippians 4, 8 is saying, think on these things, get your mind right on these things, the positive things that bring joy. If that's the case, then that means we're gonna have to manage this sort of half empty mentality. And I'm glad that Eric was able to do that and in honor of him, be able to teach this piece of the message because the reality is it's true. We've gotta manage the negativity in our own hearts. I get it too. I have negative thoughts about people and I've got to turn those negative thoughts around and, and think of what is positive about them. And I think that this is true for all of us. It's okay, by the way, to limit the number of stressful situations if you have the ability to do that. You don't have to always put yourself in stressful situations because here's the reality. Stress is going to come. You don't have to go get it. You don't have to attend every after party with your coworkers if it stresses you out. You don't have to say yes to every family engagement if it stresses you out. You don't have to accept every Zoom invitation if it stress, stresses you out. And guess what? Newsflash, you're allowed to say, you know what, I'm choosing not to think about negative stuff right now. You can actually make that choice. I'm choosing to think about something else right now. You can actually say, and I love Elaine Little, one of our friends who says this, I'm not even gonna give that any energy. I mean, I love that. You can actually choose not to give a thought energy. I'm not even going to give that thought any energy. You see, we put energy behind certain things, but you can actually choose in your mind. Remember, we're talking about four ways to get your mind right. You can actually choose not to give that any energy. How many arguments and fights would you be out of if you just decided? <laughs> I'm not even going to give that any energy right now or you're by yourself and you start thinking about the, the negative thing that someone said to you, how about if you just say, you know what? I'm not gonna give that negative thought any energy right now. It's okay for you to say, you know what? Can we change the subject? I don't wanna talk about that right now. 
And by the way, let me just say for some of you, what you need to do is prepare for, for stressful situations if you know they're going to come. If you know that tomorrow uh, you're going to be with someone that's a stressor in your life, prepare yourself now through prayer. Prepare yourself through thinking of some answers that you're going to give when they're going to ask you or say the thing that you know they're going to ask you or say. Don't wait until they say it and then get ticked off by it. Prepare, if you already know it's coming, prepare a couple of answers in your mind. Especially single people, they'll show up at family events and they know every single time someone's going to ask, so are you still single? Are you dating somebody? If that bugs you, don't just let it bug you. Think ahead of time of what you're going to say if someone brings that up. You know, and maybe your answer is, you know, I'm happily single right now and maybe God will bless me with somebody later. But I'm sure enjoying the blessing right now of not having to worry about another human being in my personal space. How are you doing? How's your marriage? I mean, you know, so what you can really do is you can think about things like that ahead of time that will not just rebuff people, but at least shield you and give you the right answer ahead of time. You can't always do it, but don't walk into stressful situations that you know are stressful because of past experience without arming yourself up. Okay, I hope this is helpful to you. What have we said so far as we bring this to a close? Let me review. We said there are four ways that you can get your mind right. Call on Jesus, ask for peace, look for the positive, manage negativity. And y'all are smart enough to know that the first letter of each word of that sentence of, of each one spells out the word calm. Call on Jesus, ask for peace, look for the positive and manage the negativity. The first letter of each one. Calm. Why don't you just look to somebody, if you can, and say, keep calm. Look into your phone. You see the glare? Just look at yourself. Say, keep calm. Sometimes what you have to do is just say, keep calm. We're never going to live in a stress-free world until we get to heaven. I have one friend, uh, African sister, who says, you know what? The work is here. The work is on earth. We're not going to work when we get to heaven. The, doing the work on earth is not going to be stress-free. Doing the ministry on earth is not going to be stress-free. The work is here. The work is now. When we get to heaven, no man shall work. So go ahead and work for the Lord and realize that there are times when you're just going to be stressed out. And these are four ways right? During the stress storm or the quiet storm to help you deal with the nervousness and the anxiety in your life when you go through situations and all you are thinking is, y'all about to make me lose my mind. Y'all know that? Y'all about to make me <laughs> go all out, up in here, up in here. Y'all going to make me act a fool up in here, up in here. Y'all going to make me lose my cool. Say it. Said y'all up. Oh, ain't nobody there. My bad. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You get to that point where you feel like you're going to lose your mind. Remember what Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you. Do not let nervousness get the best of you. And if you want to get your nerves under control, get your mind under control. Because the mind is a terrible thing to wait.